0: Um, this week was a big week for me because I got a couple really important answers to like big life questions. The first was I, I found out that I for sure at least I'm going to live until I'm 85. And then also found out what I'm going to look like. So <laughs> we would show that in case you guys want to see that. <laughs> so life looks like it's going to be pretty good. So that was good. Um, that has nothing to do with what it does a little bit. It's just it does. Stay with me. We're at, this summer we've gone through a series called The Way of Wisdom and we're we're looking at Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, two books from scripture that are there to help us live wisely. And so today we're talking about wisdom and decisions, big decisions. So I want to ask you all for some answers to answer out loud. What are, what are some big decisions? What are some big decisions that we face? Who to marry? What else? Where to live. live. What's that? When to have a kid. kid. If we have a kid, when to have a kid, how to have a kid, how many kids to have, what are we going to do with those kids? (laughs) Where are we going to put them? (laughs) Far away. (laughs) Yeah, if to marry, who to marry, when to marry. What about What about work and everything leading up to work? Where are we going to study? What are we going to study? What are we going to do? Where are we going to do that? So I'm not going to ask you all to answer out loud for this, but I do want you to think about for those things and then other things that feel like big decisions for you, take a minute and think about why do those things feel big? Why, Why do those particular decisions feel big? Why do they keep you up? Why do they use up so much of your mental energy? What makes a decision feel big? So we're asking of this text this morning, how do we make big decisions wisely? And so there's three observations that I want to share with you this morning. The first is you can know the season, but not the day. What does that mean? We'll talk about it. You can know the season, but not the day. The second is asking the right question. The importance of asking the right question. And the third is freedom to fail. And so this, this first observation we're looking at, that you can know the season but not the day. <clears throat> I love this passage because it's so clear I almost don't have to preach on it because it's so obvious how it applies to our lives. Um, I'm kidding, it's not. <laughs> Cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight. For you know not what disaster may happen on earth. What does that mean? Well, there's some, some differences of opinion from people a lot smarter than I am, but they all basically, whatever you think it means, it all means the same thing. And, and I'm going to take one interpretation of what this means, and, and all roads lead to the same place. Basically, I think this is talking about commerce, doing commerce, doing business over the waters. You would send goods on ships. They would go far away to these faraway places. They would send other goods in return. And what Solomon is saying here is it would be really wise, one, for you to engage in business, and two, for you to engage in business in a way that diversifies your portfolio a little bit, because a lot of things can happen. And you can send your goods off on these ships. These ships can sink. The people on the other side that are receiving these goods can take them and run away with them. They can go out of business. Ships can sink on their way back. So it would be really wise to do business so it's all not here, because what if disaster strikes where you are, and now you've got some goods out there at least, and that they're all not going to the same place? It's really wise to make sure that you are doing business and doing business in a diverse way. So he's saying it's really important to know that you have to plan for disaster. You never know when or where disaster is going to strike, but you know that in this uncertain world, it's it's going to happen. Things that you are not planning for are going to happen. And then look at verses three and four. If the clouds are full of rain, this is my favorite verse in this passage. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. This is super cryptic. <laughs> if a tree falls to the north or to the south, Sounds to me a lot like that the silver cat feeds when blue and yellow meet. Thank you. It's uh, Stranger Things if you're not on board with where we are right now. That's, that's a Russian code, so we may have just intercepted a Russian code. So what does it mean? It means this. It means that clouds. if you have clouds that are full of rain, then the earth underneath that cloud is going to get soaking wet. That's what's happening right now. It also means that if a tree is falling, the ground underneath where that tree is going to fall will now have a dead tree on it forever. Is that helpful? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what does that mean? That means this. Events and people outside of your control are going to land on your life. That's what that means. He is saying you can plan on things that are bigger than you, that are out of your control, greatly impacting your life and you can never see those things coming and you cannot do anything to stop them or control them. That's what he's saying there. And then in verse four, what he's saying in response to to these first three verses is if you are somebody who is looking for patterns in the wind to try to control or guarantee these outcomes and and predict when and where they're going to happen precisely... um, it will never yield the insight that you hope it will. It is as silly as sitting outside and watching the wind and taking record of how fast the wind is blowing and what direction it's blowing in to believe that you can figure out what tomorrow is going to do because of what you saw happen today. That's what he's saying. It is a fool's errand. It is a fool's errand. We're, We're trying to talk about living wisely in this world. And Solomon is telling us in this passage that... To live in such a way that you believe you can know or control or guarantee certain outcomes is a fool's errand. You cannot live like that because this world that we live in is mysterious and unpredictable. So now we get to the the title of this observation to help us make sense of this. We, We can know the seasons but not the days. Like God has given us understanding. He hasn't left us alone. He has opened our eyes to his wisdom. So if we're going to stay with the agrarian um, example here, we can know the season. Like there are seasons to plant and seasons to harvest. So we can know that we're planting or harvesting in the right season, and that's really wise to do that. But we can never know the right day to plant or the right day to harvest where we're going to maximize our return. Because you can be in the right season and sow your seed And then the temperature can wildly change or all of a sudden it dumps buckets of rain or it doesn't rain again for another month. And you're out of luck. So we can know the season, but not the day. It's like, if you're like me, I'm a big fan of the Tour de France. Um, It's France, not France. That's how you know that I'm a real fan. (laughs) And that's the only time that I pronounce that word that way. (laughs) So if if you're not on board with this, it is the most epic cycling race, happens every year. And it's three weeks. It's three weeks long. 21 days of racing. And these professional cyclists, they bend their entire, many of them bend their entire professional careers around these three weeks on the calendar every year. They train and they get into the the weeds on the science of nutrition and on rest and recovery. And then they even schedule their racing schedule so that they will be peaking when the tour starts because they want to maximize their ability to do well in this event. But if you're somebody like me who has watched the tour for many years, you know that more often than not, things do not go as planned. And and the best riders are not always the ones who are winning the tour, because so many things happen, that are outside of their control. I mean, a couple years ago, somebody threw tacks out onto the road. And so all these guys got punctures. Some guys' tires went flat, some guys didn't. And so the guys that didn't, went on and gained a whole bunch of time. And the guys whose tires got flat, their cars weren't there for a long time to give them new tires, and, I mean, they're done. There's nothing they can do about that. Some guys have been doing really well, and then they get the flu. And there's nothing that can be done. It's a team sport, and so some guys' teammates crash out. They don't have the help that they need. You see where I'm going with this. There are so many things in that race. There are so many things in our life that can land on us that we have nothing... To say about, nothing to do. There is no alternative. It just happens, and we can never, never see it coming. So what does this mean for us? Where does that lead us? That's an important question to ask. If we really swallow this truth down, and we own it, that this is reality, it can lead us to two different places. One, it can lead us to fatalism, get into a place where nothing matters. Hey, look, if, if all this stuff is going to happen, I have no idea when or where it's going to happen, I can put in so much effort with this relationship. I can put in so much effort with this career path. And then it just tanks and it's all out of my control. Then what's the point? And we just either literally disengage and we go move into the woods and live in a van. Or we internally disengage and our hearts are just severed from our lives. And we're just like zombies walking through life. because, like, You know what, man? It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. And if you feel like this, you're not the only one who's felt like this. Solomon, who's writing Ecclesiastes, felt like this. How do I, where do I get that? In, in another passage, he says, So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Like, what is the point? I mean, he didn't stay there, but man, he, he's been in that place. So for most of us, I think, that's one direction this can take us, fatalism. The other direction, I think, is probably more common for more of us in this room, which is just a gigantic, life-consuming fear. If I am not in control, then I can at least be hypervigilant. And so if we want to go back to our ships going in and out, I have got my telescope out, and I am watching for my ship to start coming back to me down the water, and I cannot rest until that ship is in port, and all of my goods have been unloaded, and they are back in my house. So that also is not a wise way to live. Why not? Because if we go back and we think about all the big decisions that we were talking about and thinking about, we cannot know whether those big decisions that we made were the right decision until we are dead. Think about it. Did I make the right choice on where to go to school or what career path to pursue? I don't know. How are you ever going to know? You'll never get to live out the other options. The school down the road could have been a better fit for you. You could have been more successful in some other industry or with some other company. You will never know the answer to those questions. What about with kids? You know, what, do we, what do we do with our kids? That's a place that's a temptation for us right now. We've got a three, a five, and a one-year-old, and... With our five-year-old, we're starting to think about school. And I'm asking the question, what school can we send our kids to where they will never experience any suffering? <laughs> and it turns out there's a few options, so we're still trying to... No. <laughs> Another question is, we'll be planting the fifth congregation of Midtown soon. And I'm asking God that question about the church plant. Lord, where can we plant this church so that we'll never experience any suffering and it'll just always go great? I mean, it's just a really, that's a really tempting way to live life. We, we think that even if we accept, like, I can't control this stuff, I can worry about it, and that'll help, right? That'll help push it across the finish line if I just worry about it and think about it all the time. So we've got to ask ourselves, where are we looking for patterns in the wind in our lives right now? Where, where are we just obsessing, and consumed, and when we're not having to think about something right in front of us, our minds are going to these other things that we're just so anxious about. What are those things? And why are we living like this? Well, all of this really happy news is intended to lead us somewhere different, somewhere other than fear, somewhere other than fatalism. It's actually intended to put us on a crash course with a person, with someone. And that's the second observation that we're going to be talking about, asking the right question. So think about it like this. It's like if you are the CEO of a a giant corporation and you hear about this guy who's just this business wizard. He's the, the guru that all the top guys are talking to to get business strategy and figuring out where to go with their companies. And you call this guy, and you hire him, and he's willing to come, and you're so excited, and he shows up. And and it's it's like saying to this guy, thank you for coming. You need to know that I'm very talented. I'm going to get us about 99% of the way there, but I just need you to come and supply that last percent to help me figure out exactly what we need to do to be successful. And he's like, okay. And so you give him a tour of the company, you show him your books, you show him everything, and then you sit down with them and say, we have to decide, are we going to go in direction A and put all of our chips in there or go in direction B? And so what do you think? And the guy just looks at you and says, I think you should go in direction A. Or you should go in direction B. <laughs> You're like, how much money do we pay to get this guy here? What did you say? And he says, and if a tree falls to the north or the south... That's where it's going to be. And you're like, I paid you to come help me. What are you talking about? And then he says, I am helping you because you don't know as much as you think you do and you're asking the wrong question. We are spending all of our lives asking the question, which fork in the road should I take? And what God is saying here is you are asking the wrong question. You ask that fork in the road question, that's pointless. That's pointless. Because you don't know what's going to lie down the road on either of those forks. What you should be asking is, who can take my hand and lead me down this path that is my life and help me get somewhere good? That's the question that we need to be asking. Verse 5 here says, As you do not know the way that the Spirit comes into the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything it's not just that we don't know the perfect day to plant our crops. It's that there's a whole lot of stuff that we don't know. And we don't like to admit it, but the truth is that we are very small and there is a lot that we don't know and there's a lot that we don't understand. And that is a very essential piece of what it means to be wise and what it means to live wisely. Because what he is saying here is that there is a God This God has made everything. He is working everything throughout the course of human history in his created order out according to a wisdom that is so high, a detail that is so intricate, and a perfection that is so foreign to us that we can never understand how all of this is fitting together. But here here is the really encouraging thing. This same God who is sovereign and all-powerful and all-knowing is the same God who walked the earth as Jesus. And Jesus said, "If you have seen the Father, you have seen me." So this God who is this powerful is like me. He is me. And Jesus also said that he came to save the world and not not condemn it. And he also said that he is the good shepherd. And there was a time when he saw a group of people coming after him because they were desperate to find someone who could help them study the wind patterns. And it said that he had great compassion for them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So this God who is all-powerful, who has created everything, who has ordered everything and is working everything out according to his will, and he doesn't ask us for permission to decide whether that will is good, He also has a shepherd's heart, and he is very humble, and he is a heart full of love, and he is inviting you to stop studying the wind patterns of your life, to stop obsessing and having a heart full of anxiety over all these things in your life that you cannot control. And he is inviting you to receive him. He is standing at the door of your life saying, if you will take my hand, I will be your good shepherd. I will lead you from this day and every day forward. All you have to do is take my hand. That's what he's saying to, to all of us, to everyone who hears this invitation. It is for them, it is for you. And so we have to remember we talked about the first week of this, this series that. The beginning of wisdom is a fear of the Lord. It's an understanding that there is a God of the universe and that wisdom is a person. It is this Jesus. It is this good shepherd. And so in light of that, can we confess that we don't know everything? Can we confess that we are not as in control as we think we are? And that we actually need a good shepherd to lead us? And again, that there is a good shepherd, the very good shepherd that you need, that I need, and he is extending his hand. So, if we receive Christ at his invitation and he is our good shepherd, then this changes things. This changes how we engage, how we see this world that is mysterious and unpredictable. And that leads us to our third observation freedom to fail. There is freedom. To fail now. What does that mean? Verse 6. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. What he's saying here is don't let the fact that you live in this unknown, uncontrollable world lead you to fear or fatalism. Let it lead you to freedom. Because everything in this verse is positive. Positive hey, you don't know what's going to succeed. This first thing, this second thing, or both. So what's he saying? He's saying that we are free in Christ from the enslavement of other people's definition of success or failure. Maybe even more insidious, our own definition of success or failure. For a lot of us, we are our own harshest critic. But that's an amazing thing to to realize that my, even my own opinion of myself, whether I'm a success or a failure, actually matters 0%. That does not say anything about anything because that's it not my place. God has not put me as a, a, the final judge over my own life. We are free from having to navigate this whole crazy world by ourselves. And here's another thing that That we have to understand and really accept is that not only can we not guarantee any outcomes but our pride is revealed in the fact that we think we know the best outcome because that's another thing that we don't know we do not know what we need we do not know what's best for us was speaking with a friend this week and he was talking about a friend that he has who made some bad decisions in business and had to do time in prison And he said when they were catching up, his friend told him, that was literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. Why? Because it stopped me down the road that I was on, and that's where Jesus met me and brought me to himself. And that changed everything. Was it the most fun experience? No, probably not. But that that was, he could literally say that going to prison was the best thing that's ever happened to him. And there are countless stories like that. Most of us have stories like that in our own lives. The thing that we thought we needed to happen for everything to be okay did not happen, and it ended up being exactly what needed to happen. There's so many of those things that we will never even see the end result of on this side of things. But we, we have to, it is for our good that we can admit and confess that we do not even know which decision is the best decision for us. Solomon says in in chapter 8, verse 12, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before Him. What does that mean? It means that you are not going to always understand what is happening or why it's happening, but you can believe that whatever is happening, your good shepherd is leading you through it because it is the best thing that could be happening for you right now. Why? Because you can trust his character and you can trust his promises to you. If I know Christ, then I don't have to know the future. If I know Christ, that frees me from having to know the future. Look at this verse, verse 6 again. What, he, what he's saying is just let it rip. Like, we as Christians should be the most free people in the world. Because of this. Think about that. There are so so many days in my life I don't feel like the most free person in the world. Because I am consumed with trying to figure everything out, trying to make things happen, thinking that I know best. But if, if I really live in this reality of who Christ is, what he has done, what he is doing for me right now, what he's doing in me right now, then I am free. I'm free in my pursuing of the work that I've been called to. I can take risks. I can lay myself out and serve other people without worrying what's going to happen. I'm free in relationships. Like we are free. We don't have to worry because we don't have to live in fear of failure and we don't have to live absorbed by regret. You know, the older you are, it's probably more being consumed by what's behind you. I can't believe I did that. I ruined my life. No. Because the one who is in you is more powerful than you. And the one who is in you is more powerful than the one who is in the world. And our Lord, who is wisdom personified can redeem even your foolishness in his process of making you wise. Because he is leading you somewhere good. He is making you wise. He's leading you to himself. And so we can't guarantee good things for ourselves, but what we can do is we can follow our good shepherd, wisdom personified, and trust that he is leading us to life. Father, we give you our lives now And we confess that it is really hard to believe this. And living by faith is not a fun activity. It's a really scary activity. Because when we feel ourselves releasing control, we we wonder if you are really going to be there and keep all these promises. But Lord, you are. And so we ask that you would give us the faith that we need to live like this. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.